1: Welcome to Name Free Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Mullin, and this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did.
2: And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music that girls are already crazy about.
1: So Sarah, we recently had a bonus episode come out on our Patreon all about celebrity worship and how religion is changing in today's world. Do you have any follow-up thoughts on that?
2: I still just love that our music meltdowns on Patreon allow me to, like, go down a cult rabbit hole no matter what happens. I feel like we had so many seemingly out-of-body <laughs> realization moments yeah. while having that conversation that my brain is so blown to the point where I'm like, do I go back to Temple? Like, what do I do?
1: <laughs> I'm still processing. Yeah. Um- yeah it was a really interesting conversation just like looking at how religion has changed in our society yet how people still need religion or spirituality in their life it's just like a human nature type thing and how in some regard celebrities have somewhat taken the place of that not entirely but to a certain degree it's just it's honestly just fascinating and my favorite thing is that now that we're doing kind of more serious research type episodes on our patreon that Mm -hmm. we can bring that knowledge over to these episodes as well so if you guys ever hear us mention it and you want to learn more that's always available over on patreon at patreon.com slash name three songs
2: and we won't hate you if you decide to just join for one month and quit just so you can listen to the episodes like honestly it would be a compliment
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because at the end of the day it's more research for us it's more stuff for you guys to learn so yeah we're always happy to have you guys check it out and with all that being said sarah i know this might be one of your other like magnum opus episodes so what are we getting into today
2: well, I feel like us plugging that Patreon episode kind of has to do with what we're talking about today, because again, it has to do with our obsession with celebrity and feeling like we know things that we don't actually know, because we're talking about some celebrity feuds in music and they don't necessarily always have to do with the music, but they are musician based. And it was just so interesting doing research on this, because like I've talked about a lot with my experience working in media and a lot in like pop culture media world, you kind of see how people spin things because there's a word count and there's all these things that they have to meet in order to write about these people and it's just so funny because like obviously these feuds are actually happening but they're not feuds it's like they're fighting with either their friends or their like friendly acquaintances and we just blow them out of proportion because we like to find clues and do everything and it's again just into drama
1: drama and (laughs) gossip And usually, like, the types of publications that report on this type of stuff are the more, like, clickbaity type things. So they're kind of, like, yeah. drumming up the drama of it all. I mean, I guess, like, there might be more, like, Teen Vogue type publications who cover it here and there. But I feel like in a less dramatic way. It's definitely, oh, yeah. it's definitely like, the tabloids that give it that, like, spicy headline.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this is the thing. Is it's, like, there definitely are levels to it where it's sites like TMZ or Hollywood Life or The Sun or... The Daily Mail, et cetera, writing these articles as often as they possibly can. But it doesn't help that these celebrities kind of feed into the feud sometimes where they'll give like a quippy response to an interview, like on a talk show or something where like it's a safe space. And so... (laughs) Because of that, then sites like Teen Vogue or a bit more respected sites start reporting on these feuds because the stars are essentially admitting that they do in fact exist, which I just find really funny because it, there's always one side of the feud that is more willing and ready to discuss it um, and even sometimes brings it up on their own accord in like the Katy Perry, Taylor Swift sort of situation and like the Mariah Carey, Jennifer Lopez situation where people constantly are asking Mariah Carey because Mariah Carey, is a comedic genius whether she knows that she's being a comedic genius or not so it's just funny like the different ways that people can get quotes and then get articles off of these celebs
1: yeah, I definitely think there is a side of it that there's certain types of people who definitely feed into it because it's kind of like any press is good press if they're being talked about.
2: Yeah, 100 percent. But it wouldn't be an episode of Name Three Songs if we didn't diverge from celebrity at the beginning of the episode to like talk about some background as to like what is the human obsession with females fighting with each other and what is the human Obsession with just celebrity drama and gossip because there's so many like underlying factors of where terms come from and where the obsession comes from and all that sort of stuff. And I did find this one article because all I kept thinking of was that we don't see the term cat fight emblazoned on headlines anymore. But yeah. But, like, looking back on our tabloid episode and all that, when we were doing research for graphics and stuff, a lot of the old covers had catfight in in certain points of, on the covers about things. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a term I haven't heard in a really long time. Like, what what's going on there? And so I did find this New York Times article by Kayleen Schaefer in 2019 called Meow. It's the end of the cat fight, which I thought was iconic because I was looking up how did cat fights originate? And of course, it was like a bunch of articles about how you shouldn't let your cats out because they'll get into fights. <laughs> <laughs> but Sounds this right. one, <laughs> this New York Times article was the first top hit that Google was like, read this. In this article for the New York Times, Kayleen writes that the word catfight, which originally referred to a physical clash between women and has no equivalent for men, has been part of our culture for centuries. It was used as early as 1854 to describe Mormon women fighting over their shared husband. Benjamin G. Ferris writes in his book, quote, Utah and the Mormons, Their houses were designed to keep women, quote, as much as possible apart and prevent those terrible catfights, which sometimes occur with all the accompaniments of Billingsgate which means vulgar and coarse language, torn caps and broken broomsticks, (laughs) which I just love that like Mormonism is how catfighting, which has paid the bills of reality TV networks for decades now, like it birthed this idea.
1: Wow. Yeah, I honestly haven't thought about Mormonism or polygamy in a minute. And I'm kind of like, (laughs) wow, this is so sexist. (laughs) There's no
2: other way around it. Literally. Kayleen goes on to explain that also catfights have had a long history of amusing drag queens and turning on heterosexual men, including in pornography as far back as the 1950s. Women wrestling in lingerie and high heels was a staple of fetish films, which I feel like most people know about like in any teen movie. So I was like, oh, we're going to go spy on the girls. They're going to be pillow fighting. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) The bisexual Um, fetishization of it all. Truly.
2: But the one main point that Kayleen makes in this article that I think encapsulates like what we're talking about today is really that the term catfight has been used to belittle women competing and disagreeing in all sorts of arenas, whether we're vying for a promotion at work or running for president or in some cases fighting over a guy or fighting over, you know, some bomb ass beats
1: (laughs) (laughs) as we're going to be talking about today. (laughs) Ja Rule just had those bomb-ass beats, yo. Like, (laughs) There's There's no no other way to put it.
2: Oh my god.
1: But as I already stated, this
2: term catfight is very outdated and isn't really used as much anymore. And even when things are happening in the media that could definitely be classified as catfight. And catfight has such a good... Clickbait ring to it. You know, I yeah. feel like the Daily Mail will be making bank off of calling things cat fights still, but you know, we're in a post Me Too era. We can't get away with this nonsense anymore. To the point where Kaitlyn highlights how in 2018, when Cardi B and Nicki Minaj got into a shoe throwing altercation at a party, the majority of the media coverage about it called it simply a fight or a brawl. I feel like brawl is a very masculine term, but and then she goes on to write, and while there was definite interest in it and whatever caused it the conflict was treated similarly to one between two male stars which I definitely agree with like the terminology in the way that it was written about was definitely not in the same way that it would have been written about in tabloids in like 2001 you know but there definitely is way more intrigue into women in pop culture fighting with each other than there is in men in pop culture fighting with each other definitely because I mean like Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel have been in a feud for like ever, and that only gets brought up whenever a new Fast and Furious movie
1: comes up. I remember I was working on a college paper about Drake and I had to read about his beef with Meek Mill. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of deep diving on like Drake and Meek Mill beef. And it's fascinating because it's a really big deal within the rap community, but it's like Mm -hmm. a thing of like, it's about more than just like fighting because it is like you have diss tracks and like back and forth. It's Kind of like a cultural part of it, which is really interesting. But I think like that's probably the only niche fandom thing of like people who care about male beef is the rap community. I don't know.
2: There is, for those of you who are really into celebrity gossip, I'm sure you're aware of this, but there's this Instagram account called The Shade Room that has like, I think over 15 million followers. And basically what they will do is they keep track of celebrity feuds. And so if they will literally go and look at people's Instagram comments, Twitter threads, they'll screen record Instagram lives or any videos that people are putting out just to see how if they can connect dots to be like, "Oh, look, somebody said something new about a feud." But it does focus a lot on kind of like the rap hip-hop community of it all and there are a lot of like male-on-male feuds going on there like you said that are more like deeper than a lot of these surface level things <laughs> that go on in like the pop girly cycle of things or even just like pop guys because I feel like when you think of even guy feuds it's like oh Ed Sheeran wrote that song about Niall Horn sleeping with Ellie Golding. but it's like
1: Ellie Golding never called Ed Sheeran her boyfriend, so do you blame her? No. Or um, Liam and Noelle Gallagher beefing yeah. it out on Twitter constantly, which is yeah. just pure comedy at this point.
2: Sibling rivalry at its finest. But so like with all that being said, I do think it's quite interesting how Kayleen in this article, it kind of explains that it seems like the terminology of catfighting is changing and like the thought process behind writing about it when I don't want to say that a New York Times reporter isn't paying enough attention, but I'm just like, just because the word's not there doesn't mean we're still not really writing about it in the same vein. or still using the idea of catfighting as a way to make capital because like I said already, it's like reality TV lives off of the cat fight as well as some women in the spotlight kind of stay relevant by feuding with people.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean you make a good point because it's like, women have always been pitted against each other. And this is the thing is it's like, for whatever reason, women always have to be in competition yeah. and they can't just be friends. Like if they're in the same industry, it's it's always a competition, right? And I think like Mm -hmm. the conversation about that among women themselves is definitely moving forward. And so maybe that's why we're not seeing such kind of like clickbait type headlines anymore of Mm -hmm. calling it catfights because like women themselves are like way more aware that this is like a trope that's played into all the time. But it is that cultural thing that's like been ingrained in us and there's a really cool article in refinery 29 by ann cohen in 2018 titled what i tanya can teach us about hollywood's history with female feuds and so it's talking a lot about movies like i tanya and others that play into this idea of basically like female feuds catfights and so ann writes it all comes down to the idea that there isn't enough room at the top for two women of equal standing to respect each other they must according to conventional wisdom be exchanging shady remarks or glances behind the scenes and then she goes on to talk to to a Dr. Martha Lawson, who's an executive director for the Center of Study of Women in Television Film, who says that pinning women against women and encouraging women to distrust one another has been deeply embedded feature of our culture. She goes on to reference like multiple movies or where we see this type of narrative and how it's kind of ingrained in us because we don't even think about it. And then she goes on to say that individuals who tell our stories shape and control our culture. And so essentially, Laura concludes if we are bombarded with stories of women fighting it out that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and honestly can you blame them when we only seem to be able to allot space for one woman at a time in the spotlight and so this is kind of like the whole key point of this episode is it's like there's only ever room for one woman in the spotlight and so if there's another they're automatically viewed as competition for that.
2: Yeah. And this is the interesting thing is it's like all of the three feuds we're going to be focusing on today are about very different things. But these are things that should be maybe a minor disagreement, minor argument maybe cause a bit of uncomfortableness when you see each other at award shows, etc., you know? But because the media does have this thing where it's like, oh, only one can be the main girl. Only one can be the girl that we all back behind. There always has to be a villain. It makes it so much easier when there's an obvious fight or an obvious scuffle or whatever you want to call it going on between two people who the world might not be pitting against each other, but quote unquote should be because they are running in the same pack and have enough in common and all those sorts of things. And it's also in the same vein of like it would be less good for the media if these women were to sort their problems out. So if the media keeps fueling the fire yeah. um, and keeps asking the quote unquote lesser famous one or whatever about this feud that they're in, it continues to give them clickbait. It continues to give them reason to discuss this thing that should have been dead in the water a long time ago. Like a lot of these feuds lasted way, way, way longer than they ever needed to just based off of why (laughs) the feud started to begin with. And so I just think it's so funny that, it really, in the grand scheme of things, again, everything just comes back to capitalism and people wanting to make money off of other people's issues.
1: But on that note, the crazy part of all of this is that it's not just like a cultural thing, like a cultural narrative that we made up. This is literally human nature. And I think that's what a lot of this comes back to is like, we think this is all cultural things. And it is because it's largely how our culture developed in a patriarchy. But it's so crazy that it comes back to human nature. So we found another article on a publication called The Spark Group titled, What's the Beef? Why We're So Obsessed with Celebrity Feuds? And they reference an article on LiveScience.com, which explains that the cluster of brain cells that acts as our reward system for things like sex, food, and even drugs is the same part of the brain that assists in violence. So we see violence as sort of a reward. <laughs> and that is pretty messed up. That is pretty messed up, folks. <laughs> but I think it's like, it's like the thing where like – there's also that trope in
2: films of girls getting really turned on by guys fighting over them and that sort of situation where it's like, oh, my God, like they're they're going to tussle over me. Like how exciting, because the other quote that they pulled in this article is from a Ph.D. called Stuart Fishoff, who's a spokesman for the American Psychological Association. And he said, what's in our DNA as a social animal is the interest in looking at alpha males and females, the ones who are important in the pack. And so it's like explaining how like the appeal of violence and fighting is not only explained by the rush you get from watching it. It's also like Jenna said, it's in the makeup of our brains. And I just like <laughs> love this this thing where it's like, oh, we like to watch these like important people have problems because we're social animals. And that's what makes sense to us. Yeah ingrained in our DNA.
1: Yeah. And so the writer kind of concludes this as, now mix two of our subconscious favorite things together, celebrities and fighting, and the result is the perfect guilty pleasure. It's hilarious that I think I started to say this in recent episodes, you guys, but like our like human evolution is starting to fight our human nature of it's like, hey, this is really fucked up. And then we look into it and it's like, no, our brains literally work this way. So like we're at a point where we're trying to like rewire our brains because we're like, hey, this this isn't cool. We don't do this anymore. I don't know. This is fascinating to me.
2: It's so fascinating because it's so crazy how primitive the human brain really is in the grand scheme of (laughs) things and how experiencing and watching certain things happen can trigger like serotonin basically and it's like the most unexpected things are going to give you a dopamine hit and I'm like that's that's screwy and it's just that thing where it's like how I always talk about sometimes people go so far left that they've gone in a full circle. I feel like humans essentially have evolved so much that we're almost going in a full circle because we're literally creating television shows and creating media off of nonsense in order to feed the monkey brain
1: inside of us that like craves violence. What did I say (laughs) on our Grammys episode? I want Survivor Music Celebrity Edition. That's what I want. But it is interesting because it's like when we feed into this, when social media feeds into this, when the media feeds into it, it becomes a bigger thing than it actually is. Like what, as Sarah said, like what would be just like a minor miscommunication like turns into this whole thing. And so this article goes on to say about celebrities when they get in a debacle with another star. We play our own mind game of choosing sides and deciding who is in the wrong, adding to the dialogue about these high profile fights in our own social circles and on social media. We stream diss tracks. We try and make sense of the beef, follow hashtags like Taylor Swift is over party to see what other people are all saying. All of these things further sensationalizing the idea of celebrity feuds it's funny to me that like you came up with this like hypothesis and it's literally all true like everything we've read about it is like yep the media (laughs) social media it all adds to it
2: jenna i need to tell you a secret that i just created this podcast to validate myself (laughs) all
1: your hot takes yeah all my sense. hot
2: takes just needed validation and i was like i'm not gonna spend my time fact-checking myself for no reason like i need to make <laughs> pennies on the dollar for it <laughs> i love it oh my god but so with all this being said there was another really incredible the atlantic article written by one of our new faves spencer yeah. in you know 2017. Spencer Cornhobbler,
1: he's going up there next to Laura snapes guys I mean, like, the more and more we read, his name comes up a lot. And we're like, damn, he makes some really good points, y'all. So we now have our favorite journalist like,
2: club. Like He is, like, fully on the same wavelength as us with all these articles. I'm like, why, who even, I'm like, who's letting you just write these op-eds? Like, I love yeah. this for you. Like, yeah. This is incredible. But this article is called The Maddening Media Obsession with Female Feuds, the Katy Perry edition.
1: Oh, um, he loves Katy Perry, though, because the last the last article we read from him was about Katy Perry, Katy Perry and Teenage Dream.
2: <laughs> I know he loves Katy Perry, which I love for him. But while this article in full was very interesting, the thing that really stuck with me was that he's discussing Katy Perry's song, "Chain to the Rhythm, which apparently people were interpreting as a dig on Swift, but he's saying that "Chain to the Rhythm says nothing that can be interpreted as a dig on Swift, and yet articles are being written connecting the song to her. Presumably, this is to collect clicks, despite the fact that it reinforces stereotypes about female cattiness and minimizes these women's actual work, which claps to Spencer. I'll totally agree. I think that's basically the whole point of what we're getting at here is that while we can talk about these issues, we also need to acknowledge how underlying misogyny there is when you're just getting clicks off of
1: women fighting over nothing. Feuds, yeah.
2: But he even more validates my thoughts on all of this because he goes on to call out the gossip news site Hollywood Life for jumping on the bandwagon of... The Katy Perry Swift feud situation by using the quote of Katy Perry telling some publication that she had worked out some of her shit in writing her new music. So Hollywood Life's spin on this Katy Perry quote was, quote, We can't help but wonder if the shit she's talking about includes her ongoing feud with ex-bestie Taylor Swift. Does that mean she's totally over her drama with Taylor Swift? You be the judge. And then most tellingly in this article, they go on to write, quote, nothing in Katie's new song, Change of the Rhythm, seemed to be about Taylor, but maybe another song on the highly anticipated new album has some more answers for us. We're definitely waiting on the edge of our seats to find out. And this is the thing that, like, Ugh, sends me into a fit of rage where they literally wrote a whole article basically about being like, how change of the rhythm is a diss track about taylor swift and then they're like at the end like nothing about the song actually can be tied back to taylor but like maybe another one could so like we're it's, just it's, gonna keep we're gonna keep this up
1: <laughs> i can't believe they were allowed to publish this like they're literally <laughs> making up stories they're making up stories and then like reporting on them as if it's real but the thing is like as we talk about not everyone clicks on the headlines they just read the headline and so people would assume that katy perry did write a diss track about taylor swift
2: and it's the same thing that spencer even acknowledges how elite daily for like oh is katy perry cutting and bleaching her hair blonde an attack to upstage taylor swift who recently also cut and bleached her hair blonde and it's like really you're grasping at straws here
1: but also just to give you the direct quote because it is so unhinged elite daily wrote it is yet unclear whether Katy perry had her hair cut and dyed in a similar fashion or personally scalped her red carpet enemy and wore her actual hair to the ceremony <laughs> they didn't have to go that hard like what i all- honestly it gave me a good laugh
2: It's also the dumbest, the dumbest feud, the dumbest feud that lasted way too many years. So um, let's get into it. So. Basically, outwardly, Katy Perry and Taylor Swift were friends from 2009 to 2013. I never really thought or knew personally that they were friends. It was not something that was in my brain. I'd seen some photos of them together. But the fact that some people are like ex-besties, I'm like, that feels like a stretch at any point in time. But it's better for the narrative. But basically, this feud starts in 2013 when a dancer called Lockhart lie, did an interview with Australia's Examiner about his career. And in this interview, he speaks on how he toured with Katie for over two years. And so when he and two other dancers were asked to join Perry for her Prism tour, while they were on tour for Taylor Swift for Red, they jumped at the opportunity because apparently Taylor's choreography was boring, is what Lockhart said in this interview. And so then in 2014... Taylor reveals that her song Bad Blood off her upcoming album 1989 is about a female musical artist who she won't name who, quote, tried to sabotage her tour by hiring people on her staff. And to Rolling Stone, Taylor Swift said, quote, it has to do with business. She basically tried to sabotage an entire arena tour. She tried to hire a bunch of people out from under me. And so, while she didn't directly acknowledge the backup dancer situation, she's essentially admitting that that's what it could possibly be about. And so, in response to all of this, Katie begins subtweeting about Taylor and her actions. This is,
1: guys, this is never the way to go. Like, no. if you got like, if somebody is like giving kind of sus quotes or like putting on a song or whatever, like <laughs> subtweeting. It's just going to make everything so much worse. But again, yeah. like, I feel like some people just do this to like get their name out there and like rally the troops. It's kind of like comedy.
2: Well, it's kind of like what I talked about in last week's episode when we we're talking about Katy Perry is it's like Katy Perry has been and always will be an A-list celebrity. But I also feel like most people don't think about Katy Perry that much unless her name is like right in front of their face.
1: You know, fun fact, Katy Perry's doing a residency in Las Vegas right now and she just added like 14 more dates. So like, and I'm like who who who's buying tickets to that? I don't know. I, she's <laughs> so much
2: bigger than we realize, but I think that like for most people she's just not a front yeah. of the brain not person. Not for Katy
1: Perry. I'm sure she has great fans. <laughs> and so of
2: course Taylor being Taylor, most of what she is doing is in her imagery and like very you know, Easter eggy of her, whereas Katie is subtweeting and posting things like watch out for Regina George in sheep's clothing, which people, of course, are going to take to be about Taylor Swift because, you know, blonde and all that stuff. And then literally four years later, by 2017, Katie is just openly talking about this feud with Taylor during press. And so during an interview with enemy, she goes, I mean, I'm not Buddha. Things irritate me. I wish that I could turn the other cheek every single time, but I'm also not a pushover, you know? Especially when someone tries to assassinate my character with little girls. That's so messed up.
1: (sighs) Dramatic.
2: (laughs) Super dramatic.
1: And then... Wait, can I just say about Bad Blood? You know, okay, being an artist... You can take things in life that either you see personally or, like, you see through your friends' lives, whatever, and, like, amplify it into a bigger story. So, it's not to say that, like, this entire song is, like, the exact emotion she has about Katy Perry. could have just been like, wow, that was really shitty for her to do that. That kind of sucks. And you use that concept to then inspire, like, a bigger story. But, like... People read way too much into things, so they think that Taylor is really actually being that dramatic. Because, like, at the end of the day, the tickets are sold to Taylor's tour, and I know she probably wants to give off, like, the best performance she possibly can. Having two dancers missing is definitely going to affect that, but, like, she already made her millions. Like, (laughs) it's not not really that big of a deal.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't know. It's just so funny because it's, like, I feel like getting a song written about you by Taylor Swift is honestly an honor and a privilege, so... (laughs) Like it wasn't even one of her meanest songs that she could have written, you know, like she's definitely been angrier in songs before. But my favorite thing about this whole feud is that this feud did in fact end by Katy Perry literally sending Taylor Swift an olive branch. So on Instagram stories on May 8th of 2018, Taylor Swift posted a photo of an olive branch that said, so I just got to my dressing room and found this actual olive branch and it was the first night of the reputation tour in arizona and she went on to caption the video with this means so much to me thank
1: you katie and a simple pink heart emoji and that's just like so extra honestly honestly i can't icon behavior on Katy perry's behalf
2: oh my god (laughs) she's nothing like not extra And obviously, everybody remembers that they like fully outwardly made their truce in 2019 when the You Need to Calm Down video came out, when they dress up like french fries and a hamburger or something stupid like that. Definitely
1: Katie's idea.
2: The weirdest (laughs) thing. So camp. Yeah, it had to have been.
1: Yeah. So on top of like all that, while all this was kind of happening in 2015, there was kind of like another Twitter tiff about the mtv vmas and nikki minaj kind of kicked it off tweeting about how she got snubbed for her music video anaconda when the nominations came out so nikki tweeted if your video celebrates women with very slim bodies you'll be nominated for video of the year and so taylor was nominated for bad blood so it was kind of a jab at her because the video also like featured taylor with several of her like supermodel bffs at the time which like i think this is funny because it's like me personally i don't see this as a direct jab at taylor this is talking about society as a whole Of like, of course, this skinny blonde girl is going to like be favored over someone like Nicki Minaj. But Taylor had to get involved. She tweeted, I've done nothing but love and support you. It's unlike you to pit women against each other. Maybe one of the men took your slot. But this is the thing I just said. Like, this is a bigger cultural conversation of why is it Taylor's being nominated over Nicki Minaj but it's not a competition thing it's a patriarchy thing it's a we only have one slot for women and the rest are going to be male artists who are nominated
2: yeah well I mean it also is kind of back to like how Taylor's brand of feminism has always been white feminism so I feel like it might have just completely gone over her head
1: well yeah exactly I mean case in point is like even though Nicki like kind of did reference her specifically it's about more than that but then katie jumped in as well and she tweeted finding it ironic to parade the pit women against other women argument about as one unmeasurably capitalizes on the takedown of a woman so i mean that's like she's kind of calling out the taylor swift white woman feminism right there
2: yeah. And like out of all of Katie's sub tweets that aren't really sub tweets, I feel like this one, like I, I see where she's coming from with this because Taylor did admit that she wrote the song about a woman that she was annoyed with. And then the video is literally like her squad against a smaller squad. So, you know, it very much is capitalizing off of that catfight narrative and capitalizing Mm. off of, you know, humans' instinct nature to want to watch women
1: fight with each other. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Snapple.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So it's like in that regard, because I was saying earlier how it's like what could have been like a tiff with Katy Perry inspired a song is it's Mm -hmm. like Taylor Swift then went on to like make a whole song and music video playing into the trope of the cat fight.
2: Yeah, because like obviously there could have been other ways to handle it where you could have had that song and the music video could have used different imagery to like depict something else or whatever just to like... like, see, look, I've grown. I'm over it. I wrote my song. I don't need to make the music video, too. I don't need to make this bigger. Because, like, that's the one thing that frustrates me about a lot of this, this is that these celebrities know what the media is doing. Like, they know that they feed off of this shit. And so I just always am curious, especially with somebody like Taylor Swift, who has such, like, a tumultuous relationship with the media, why... She would kind of
1: be feeding them. Because it's the white, it goes back to the white woman feminism. At this yeah. time, I mean, 2014, we weren't as evolved in these conversations. So, yeah, that's kind of it, really. So, also kind of going off of this in 2020, Katy Perry went on Howard Stern to kind of promote whatever she was working on at the time and she kind of like mentioned this drama again and how it was blown out of proportion talking about how it's always women who are pitted against each other and she says you never see like articles about Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber in a fight or Shawn Mendes and Niall Horn in a fight it's gonna take audiences and media and artists and just a lot of shifting consciousness so I think she's like very aware here after like having gone through all this of just how easy it is for this to happen to women and like you never really hear about feuds with men. And, like, the one that came to my mind was, like, Zayn and Louis after, like, Zayn left the band. But I think that was probably, like, a popular conversation within the fandom and maybe not, yeah. like, the wider pop culture narrative.
2: Yeah. This is the thing that's interesting about it, though, is that obviously looking back on it, she can now say, oh, it was, like, the whole pitting women against women trope. But it's like, you were subtweeting her. Like Yeah. whatever it's just it's just frustrating because I feel like a lot of these women again going back to just like our brain chemistry and how we work it's like self-preservation it's like kind of forgetting that you are famous and that you're just genuinely hurt by somebody that you thought was your friend or you thought was trustworthy or what have you to not do something like this and to kind of go against what your brain thinks you should do and (laughs) yeah In this regard, and just kind of follow your heart, which is to be angry and be mad and be like genuinely hurt about something that's going on.
1: Follow your human evolution, not your human nature. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Speaking of human nature and women just going for what they want. The next feud is like a conglomerate feud of just Lindsay Lohan being just a quote unquote boyfriend thief. So she did feud with both Ashley Simpson and Hillary Duff during, you know, the height of <laughs> of all these these women's nonsense and I feel like most of you if you're around our age probably are aware of both of these but definitely aware of the whole Hillary Duff Lindsay Lohan drama because it's hilarious and ridiculous because it does involve Aaron Carter which is just iconic
1: (laughs) do you remember this at all I remember Aaron Carter being on Lizzie McGuire because I I was obsessed with Lizzie McGuire at the time. They had the, like, mistletoe episode where they kissed him under the mistletoe. It was so cute. I remember that they, like, kind of wore a thing after that, but I didn't know any of this other stuff.
2: Yeah. It's so funny where it's just like Merry Christmas, Lizzie McGuire, and like the kiss under the mistletoe, and like a two episode arc in the early two thousands led to all of this. So do you want to get into? This? Do you want to get into this?
1: Yeah, well, was a wholesome episode. Got into <laughs> some drama. Um, so from two thousand to two thousand two, Aaron Carter and Hilary Duff dated after meeting during their two episode arc on Lizzie McGuire. Also, they were like fifteen at this time. They were born they in the same year, so they were. Literal children. So in 2002, Aaron starts to quote, get to know Lindsay Lohan. And she's only like a year younger than him. At the time, he's literally 15. And he tells us to CNBC later in 2005 he says, I was dating Hillary for like a year and a half, and then I just got a little bored. So I went and started getting to know Lindsay. <laughs> I guess that's how you think when you're 15, except that he would have been 18 when he gave this quote. I guess that's the mind of a teenager. So then in 2003, Aaron gets back with Hilary Duff for a few months, just in time to go to the Lizzie McGuire premiere. How timely. But then he allegedly cheated on her. So starting at the end of 2003, Hilary Duff and Lindsay Lohan start showing up on the red carpets. Of each other's premieres. Lindsay talks trash about Hillary Duff to Chad Michael Murray, who they were like co stars when they were filming uh, the Cinderella story. Lindsay also bullies Hillary Duff on SNL. Hillary Duff tries to stay above the noise, but does tell Blender in 2004 that she hates Lindsay Lohan. And in 2007, Hillary Duff publicly tells People magazine that their feud is over. But wait, there's more. I just love all of this nonsense.
2: So basically, in 2004, when Hilary Duff is filming a Cinderella story, Lindsay Lohan reportedly called her Freaky Friday co-star, Chad Michael Murray, who obviously was playing Hillary's on-screen love interest at the time, to talk trash about her. And then during an appearance on TRL, Lindsay was put on the spot when she was asked to confess one thing about herself she wanted to get out in the open, and she boldly proclaimed, I love you, Hilary Duff. Which, that just, like, feels like a bitchy thing that someone does when, like, two people's moms are friends, but, like, the kids don't like each other. And, like, one of the kids bullies the other one. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But the like, best part of all of this, the best part of all of this is that Joel Madden was dating Hillary Duff, and he refused to give a signature to Lindsay's eight-year-old brother, Cody at the Good Charlotte concert until she publicly apologized to Hillary. So, like, even though that relationship was super sus, he was looking out for Hillary's best interest.
2: It's so funny. And, like, this feud was just, like, so ridiculous because they were so young. And so it's just just obviously very high school, but... Also, it's like you have to remember your celebrities, guys, because your nonsense is causing other people drama and people are like why are they showing up at each other's premieres dressed weird? <laughs> like, it's it's literally
1: stuff. it's literally Olivia Rodrigo and Sabrina Carpenter thinking that she has beef when she doesn't. Cuz it's like the it's a teenage love interest like drama of it all, but I think uh, Olivia Rodrigo handled that one a lot better. And it's like, they're literal teenagers, so like this is going to happen. Like This happens yeah. to your friends and you and whatever when you're in high school. They're just celebrities, so it happens in the public eye.
2: Yeah. And then, so in 2007, after letting things simmer down for a few years, they finally put their feud to rest. As Hillary Duff told People magazine, quote, well, we are both adults and whatever happened happened when we were young. It's over. And Lindsay was even at the release party for Hillary's album, Dignity. And Lindsay gave the quote, She's really fun. We were hanging out the other night and she's a really nice girl. (laughs) And I just, like, it's just so funny because I feel like, and not to judge anybody or anything, but I feel like Hillary Duff's quote to People magazine. Is maybe a bit more genuine. I just feel like Lindsay Lohan's just like, I'm better than everyone, but
1: I just feel like she always gives me those vibes. <laughs> yeah. It is all funny because it's like all this started because of Aaron Carter and he's like nowhere in the picture anymore.
2: Yeah. So also in just talking about Lindsay Lohan and boyfriend drama. My friend Marissa when I told her we were doing this episode told me that I could not talk about Lindsay Lohan and boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, stealing boyfriend drama without mentioning that she and Ashley Simpson were in a feud over Wilmer Valderrama because apparently Wilmer Valderrama broke up with Lindsay Lohan for Ashley Simpson, but there were rumors circulating that he in fact cheated on Lindsay Lohan with Ashley Simpson which is super fun and that Lohan's anger possibly got the best of her and she released the single first which was dissing Valderrama and Ashley Simpson which is hilarious because then three months later Ashley Simpson dropped her single Boyfriend which is way more iconic than Lindsay Lohan's first and that song was a dig at Lohan and she entirely recreated Lohan's music video for the visuals accompanying the song Icon behavior (laughs) and I just love this because like it's all just so petty because then apparently Lindsay took like the pettiness to this next level by banning both Ashley Simpson and her sister Jessica from entry into her MTV Movie Awards after party which is just completely iconic but like to this day Ashley Simpson's like boyfriend is not about Lindsay Lohan it has nothing to do with that I don't know why anybody started this nonsense and I just think it's so funny because I feel like in every story about Lindsay Lohan anytime she's been
1: wrong she just goes above and beyond she's like you know what? Blacklisted from my life. (laughs) Oh, my God. Honestly, kind of Mariah Carey behavior we're going to get into in a second. And so even after that, Ashley was kind of like enraged that she got blacklisted from like the MTV after party. So then she attended Jimmy Fallon's party where Lohan showed up later on. And when Simpson spotted Lohan at the party, she allegedly lunged for her. And the security had to be called to break up the cat fight.
2: (laughs) Oh, cat fight. The word was used in an article. yeah. But the thing that's also kind of upsetting to me about all this is that the tabloids really were anti Lindsay Lohan. Like they very much Mm. were out to get her by posting all these like drunk photos, all these things about her always trying to prove that she wasn't this sickly sweet Disney girl that she seemed to be in the films that she was in and stuff. And so the fact that Lindsay was kind of giving them more stuff to write about in this regard and these things where she like of clear mind (laughs) it's like doing all this petty shit. Again, it's like human nature to like act out when somebody hurts you. But also I'm just like, how do you not have your celebrity business hat on at all times? Like, I don't get it. I can't can't wrap my head around it. I don't know. It was just the times, man, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I think, yeah, I guess also it's one of those things where we were still in the era of the internet wasn't as fast as things were that were happening. So I feel like people were probably in the mind- Set of if there's not a spy here, we might get away with this. A spy,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but like the paparazzi the- was everywhere, so I don't know. A media mole. So, speaking of kind of just like some iconic moments that have lasted through history, we do have Mariah Carey and Jennifer Lopez, which like we've talked about them briefly before, and we also talked about Jennifer Lopez a lot. On our episode about R and B, because she kind of ended up stealing or somewhat stealing songs from a lot of black female artists, but one of them, and I think the first one, actually was Mariah Carey. But Mariah Carey is truly just a queen about all of this. <laughs> so Mariah Carey met Sony record exec Tommy Mottola in 1989 at the age of 19, and he signed her to a record deal. And four years later, in 1993, the pair are married at ages. 23, and 44, respectively. Um, We, of course, like, detailed their whole relationship in our episode with Troy from Dunzo Podcast, all about toxic relationships. So they were married for five years until 1998, and it was a very abusive relationship. So then, 1999, not even a whole year later, Jennifer Lopez launches her music career and sends around a Spanish-language album to record labels. Tommy hears her music and agrees to sign her because he just lost Mariah Carey, he's trying to look for dollar signs, and uh, this was it. So he signed her on the condition that she would put out music in English. At this time, Mariah Carey had secured the sample to Yellow Magic Orchestra's 1978 song called Firecracker and was planning to use this in her single Loverboy. Tommy heard Mariah was using the sample and rushed to use it for, quote, another female entertainer, which ended up being J.Lo lo and her song I'm Real. And this created the feud to end all feuds because
2: unfortunately for Mariah Carey, since Tommy Mottola was very much on Team J.Lo at this point in time, the jlo Ja Rule remix of I'm Real was rushed into completion and released to the world. And subsequently, it topped the U.S. Billboard charts. And so also in the works was for Mariah Carey to collaborate with Jaw Rule. But obviously, since J.Lo had done it first and Mariah didn't want to look like she was jumping on the bandwagon or copying J.Lo in any way, she lost out on working with Jaw Rule and I know for a lot of people you're probably like Ja Rule. Jaw Rule was like the coolest of the cool people to be having on your songs back in the day.
1: So this was a big loss for Mariah and it probably really ticked her off. And we have a lovely kind of summary of all of this in the Mariah Carey archives. I honestly think Mariah fans and their dedication to archiving this stuff is truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this blog writes, rumor has it that when she found out what Tommy had done, she and her lawyer Don Passman used it as leverage to get her out of the contract with the Sony group. Mariah owed them a 10th and final album and she was let out early and went on to sign the biggest recording contract in history with emi virgin when mtv interviewed mariah at the start of 2002 they questioned her on the stolen sample and she says let's just say they did me a favor and they know who they are and thank you sweetie and your friend who did it with you so mariah is like truly like petty queen number
2: one. Oh yeah obsessed and so for all you pop culture aficionados, I'm sure you guys are aware of the site Nikki Swift who is very good at creating complete histories of feuds and other nonsense in pop culture zeitgeist and so they have a complete history of Jennifer Lopez's and Mariah Carey's feud on their site and they mentioned in this article that while both JLo and Mariah Carey have both claimed that there's no bad blood between them and that they're saying that the media has made more out of what was happening than either of them have like we still have the iconic moment where Mariah Carey was on a German TV program called TAF and she was asked about Beyonce, and she had nothing but incredible praise for her, by saying, "I love Beyonce. Beyonce is fabulous. I think she's a great writer, great singer. She's a very sweet person as well." And then she was asked the same question about JLo. And Mariah Carey simply stated, "I don't know her," and nothing else was ever the same. Yeah. And I just like oh, so much, so much serotonin. <laughs>
1: I love how much detail she went into talking about Beyonce and nice. how amazing Beyonce is. And then Jayla, she's like, I don't know her. <laughs> just nothing to say. Nothing to say. It's hilarious.
2: I'm just like continuing on with just like the petty realness of it all. In 2002, when Mariah Carey was interviewed by Larry King on Larry King Live, Larry King asked her if she had any conflicts in the music industry, but then also was like, oh, are there any conflicts between you and Jennifer Lopez? And so Mariah responds to him, there are rivalries, but I don't think she has anything to do with me. My whole thing is singing, writing songs. I've been doing this my whole life. Singing is first and foremost. It's a God-given talent that I'm grateful for. Her thing is something different.
1: (laughs) Okay, this is hilarious because on the one hand, she's almost saying, like, you don't even need to compare us because, like, we can both do our things and that's fine. But, like, at the end, that her thing is something different is, like, she's not even on the same level as me, so you don't need to even bring her up. It's kind of funny. <laughs>
2: Uh, it's amazing and I just love how they're both like there's no bad blood like the media is blowing this out of proportion I'm like Mariah sounds like I mean like this is the thing is I think Jennifer Lopez is probably just being like yeah there's no bad blood but meanwhile Jennifer Lopez probably cries at night because she has said in interviews how she like really looks up to Mariah Carey whereas Mariah Carey I think is like Jennifer Lopez literally has no effect on her. Like, so yes. she's saying that there's no bad bud because Jennifer Lopez is an aunt compared to yes. what, how Mariah Carey is, like, who she is in yes. the world of music and, like, what she's done for music and all this stuff. And so it's just so funny because it's, like, there definitely is a feud, but it's, like, J-Lo views Mariah Carey as an icon and a legend, and Mariah Carey views Jennifer Lopez as a peon who wishes that she could even, like someone close close to her Yeah. yeah yeah
1: so finally jennifer lopez was given a chance to like give her side of the story when she went on watch what happens live with andy cohen and she says i don't have a feud against her at all i know from back in the day i've read things that she said about me that were not the greatest but we've never met we don't know each other hmm she says i think it's from a kind of word of mouth of things that have happened in the past but i'm really not aware of it um i don't know like what year this quote was from but clearly it was like long enough time that she's talking about it as if it was kind of like in the far past so i feel yeah. like at that point like it's kind of like water under the bridge and like at that point like you probably don't even remember hundred percent of the details of like what really transpired or like what led to from one thing to another but it is funny that she's like oh we don't know each other which i'm sure they're like she knows of her they just like don't know each other personally um, yeah. But again, it is acknowledging that it's like what Tommy Matola did was petty. Like he yeah. was the one who did this whole thing. Like the two of them really had nothing between each other. It was all Tommy Matola, And so Jennifer's like saying like it was word of mouth, like those things happen. And it's really kind of the media that like latched onto this narrative and like kept asking Mariah about it. Mariah kept giving iconic quotes and then like kept asking Jennifer about it. And like that's what's led the feud to kind of like quote unquote live on.
2: Yeah. And I think that that's the thing where, again, it's more interesting for the media to focus on women against women when like what we talked about in our R&B episode, it's not JLo's los fault that she was given these samples. It's not J-Lo's fault that Tommy Matola had all yeah. of his eggs in her basket, you know? And so I think that in the grand scheme of things, it kind of is the same thing with Mariah in the ways in which she talks about Jennifer Lopez is like she's pissed off at the whole situation, but I feel like she does know that it's not really jennifer lopez's fault but she is the face behind why you know like the, the yeah. to yeah. the public of why she couldn't do these things and i mean in 2018 mariah carey was interviewed by pitchfork and they asked her for some more insight on her i don't even know her comment and she said that she was merely following the advice we were all given as young kids She said, I really was trying to say something nice or say nothing at all. I really was. And so I think that, that, that this, again, this is a thing like to her. Who is J Lo? Like, why does she matter? There's nothing. There's nothing to be said. It doesn't affect her. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. It's just iconic behavior, really.
1: I mean, I was thinking like with all of these examples, and like we're kind of like laughing along with the situations and like what people said, because like we said, this is human nature. Like it is comical, but I think it's just one of those things where like feud type situations are going to happen. Like we're never going to always agree with people, especially this Mariah Carey thing. Like Tommy Matola was definitely manipulating both of them and so it's like okay to be like angry or okay to be like upset with people we're not saying like you're never gonna fight with anyone ever it's just more so like there's so many kind of like quote-unquote feuds that got blown up because of the media because of social media stuff like that that like they just got taken to a level that like wasn't really necessary
2: yeah 100 percent. and that's always what it is is it's like humans just being humans in the grand scheme of things that's what it all boils down to is it's just humans reacting and then people being like, oh, I can make money off of this. People will yeah. come and want to indulge in this because, again, it's just back to the parasocial relationship of it all, the celebrity worship of it all, the like, need to know what your faves are up to, the need to know like how they're messing up, why they don't like each other, why they do like each other, all of this stuff, and so when these websites are trying to find meaning in something or doing what Hollywood life was doing with Katy Perry's song, change of the rhythm where they're just kind of like the song could be about this, write a whole article about it and then be like, so the song is clearly not about this, but maybe something else will be. So in hopes that Katy Perry is being petty on her album somewhere, like we're going to keep writing about every single single she drops, trying to figure out how this can relate back to Taylor Swift. And when it doesn't, we're just going to be like, maybe next time we'll be right.
1: Yes. And of course, there have been other feuds too. There's kind of like the Britney Spears Christina Aguilera one where like I don't know that they actually had any beef. It was more so just they were kind of positioned against each other as like pop stars at the time. There's like Lady Gaga Madonna where like Madonna said that Lady Gaga's born this way sounded familiar and reductive. There's like Nikki and Cardi of course which is like a whole thing that <laughs> we didn't have time to get into. And then Miley and her friend versus like Demi and Selena. That feud that Miley and Mandy and Demi and Selena thing was honestly the best
2: thing to ever happen to like early stages of YouTube I think we brought this up in the Disney episode I'll just link to the videos if I can find them again because they're honestly iconic but it was like Demi and Selena trying to be cool scene kids and then Miley and Mandy making fun of them And it's like, they're just being like, it was weird because Mandy was like decently older, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just teenagers being teenagers. They're just doing what teens do, which is like, oh, I don't get these people. So I'm going to bully them. But then the repercussions are so much larger because the tabloids pick it up and they report about it. And then they're asked for like the rest of their lives. Like, so are you guys still not friends? Like, do you still think each other is weird? Are you you still
1: having problems? And it's like, "Mm, okay, stop. Yeah. No one needs to be interviewed about this 10 years down the line, which also reminds me of, as I said, when we did that toxic relationships episode, like the Rihanna and Chris Brown of it all of like yeah. Rihanna constantly being asked about this, like to this day of it's like some things are in the past and we don't need an update on it every year.
2: Yeah. But that that's the other thing is like, could you imagine if every time you saw somebody from high school that you're like still friends with? That you would be asked about, oh, remember that really horrible time, that really horrible time you got bullied? Like, remember that? Do you want to talk about that? Are you still upset about that? Are you still mad about that? Because this is the thing with with these celebrities. It's like they're usually interviewed by the same group of people, especially on the red carpets and those sorts of scenarios. And it'll be brought up where it'll be like, oh, like let's say it's like Selena. It's like, oh, like Miley was here before you. Like, remember when you guys didn't like each other? Like, how's that going? Like, could yeah, you imagine if that happened in real life, like to just you know, normal people?
1: Like, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> like, it's just so unhinged. But it's that thing where, again, it's like, do celebrities and the media have a symbiotic relationship? Or is it truly like the media is fully just leeching off of them? Or it's like, are the celebrities actually feeding them this stuff? Like, is that part of the role of being mm-hmm. a celebrity?
1: yeah. Well, that was kind of my point earlier is there's definitely certain types of personalities who feed into it because it's more conversation about them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because they're trying to keep the headlines focused on them and to stay A-list when they might not be that relevant all the time. So there's lots of levels here. Lots of takeaways. And I guess just like for final thoughts, really... Obviously, as Jenna said, we're laughing about this now because it is just so silly to think about. But at the, at the time, it definitely was affecting these women's lives, the tiffs, the arguments that they were getting into with other celebrities and these things getting blown out of proportion. But again, like in us talking about Hilary Duff and Lindsay Lohan, it's like they are literally going to each other's premieres just because because they're like, oh, like this is going to really tick her off. So, they're, you know, they're, <laughs> they're playing along with it. They're doing these things because why not? Because they're like, oh, this is kind of fun. I, I'm getting more press. People are paying more attention to me. Why? Why the hell not? So I feel like in the grand scheme of things, it all kind of was a big joke in the end. Like it was never yeah. as serious as it seemed. And I feel like based off of these breakdown timelines, these celebs seem to have realized that and the media was just like well if the celebs are gonna play around with it we're gonna play around with it so it's like is is the media truly being that evil by continuously doing this or are the celebs eating it up we're never gonna Mm -hmm. know we're truly never gonna know so i guess for you guys are there any feuds that live rent free in your head we would love to hear about them because obviously there are a ton more that we couldn't include in this including like ones from days of yore up to just like dudes because who cares about dudes fighting no one boring shit (laughs) no one no one cares so yeah so if you have any thoughts or feelings about celebrity feuds uh the celebrity media relationship when it comes to these things we would love to hear from you as per usual you can hit us up on social media we are at name three songs on instagram or twitter Or if you have any personal beef with any of our takes, you can come yell at us on our social media. I'm at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore million. So thanks for joining us this week on Name 3 Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band.
1: And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Mariah Carey.
2: Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help.
1: If you want to find out more about any of the sources we reference in this episode, you can visit name
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance.